You're listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we look at questions and topics that are related to our faith in Jesus and the way that it plays out in our everyday lives. In this episode, we're going to meet one of our incoming church planters. His name is Lentrell Abston. And so, as you know, we as a church have a goal that by 2050, we will plant 60 churches in neighborhoods all around Northeast Ohio. And so, this summer, we're bringing on two new church planters. Lentrell is one of them. So, the goal of the podcast is to get to know him, hear a little bit about how the Lord has moved in his life to get him to this point. Welcome in to Church Unplugged. All right, welcome into Church Unplugged. I'm Jimmy Cozy, uh, part of the leadership team here at CCC. I've got with me today Zach Wyrock and then Lentrail Abston, who is a church planter who's going to be starting with us for Orchard in, well, actually he starts a week from today when we're recording this, June 8th, so he'll be on board by the time any of you hear this. But uh, we are really excited about what the Lord's doing here in church planting. You know, as a church, we've set a goal that by 2050, we would plant 60 churches in neighborhoods in Northeast Ohio. Incredibly excited about that. And so uh, we have two new church planters coming on for this cycle of church planters, Lynn Trail, and then we'll re- release another podcast interviewing John Twyman, who is another one of our church planters. But so the goal today is to kind of get to know Lynn Trail, to hear his story, how the Lord has moved in his life and brought him to this point. So uh, just Lynn Trail, why don't you start by maybe introducing Introducing yourself, then maybe a good starting point was how did you meet Jesus? How did you, you know, come to faith in Him? Yeah, so um, Lentrell, I'm married to my beautiful wife Ingrid. We have three children: Amir, our oldest, he's four; Amaya, she just turned three, um, the 27th of May; and then baby Avi, who he'll be one here in June. And uh, my story and how I came to faith, you know, I, I just think about, and I think we all can agree that this world is broken. And uh, even before I was born, my family wasn't accepted from that brokenness. Uh, what do I mean? Well, my, my father was murdered um, before I was born. He got my mom pregnant with me, and then another woman actually stabbed him and killed him. And so uh, I was raised in a single-parent household, and growing up, I really watched my mom struggle. And that really uh, brought out the, the sinfulness in me. Um, I became very rebellious. I was very angry as a young man. And um, we moved to East Cleveland, which is a very rough neighborhood. And I immediately kind of just jumped off the porch, we would say, and started to you know live the street life, very disobedient to my mom. And my rebellion kind of climaxed at 17, where I committed a robbery 11 years from today. Wow. So wow. Uh, June 1st, 2011, I committed a robbery and I got sent to jail for two and a half years. And so uh, there in, in prison, I heard the gospel and God saved me. Um, he, Is that was through like a prison ministry or another inmate? or There, there was a number of gospel presentations mm-hmm. and I made a number of professions of faith. Okay. But there was a specific time that I recall being in the shower praying and and just crying out to God, recognizing that I was broken, that Jesus is the Savior and Lord, Mm -hmm. and that I wanted him to save me. And shortly after that, I was um, pushed into teaching a Bible study by an older inmate who was somewhat like a a spiritual father figure there in the prison. He really invested in me. And um, he, one guy stopped teaching, and so he advised me to teach just one week. And uh, I was nervous, uh, mm-hmm. intimidated, but I really wanted to, to honor the Lord and honor Brother Jersey, who asked me to do it. I, I taught that Bible study. And afterwards, I, I mean, I assume it went well. No one stood up and yelled, you know, heresy or anything like that. 
And so uh, Jersey, after that, he told me, hey, I want you to keep teaching that Bible study. Mm. And it was through teaching that Bible study in prison that I just fell in love with the Word of God. Because mm. you re- were preparing and you yeah, were, yeah. Okay. Yep, yep. And I realized, like, there's nothing else I would rather do than, you know, serve the Lord and, and teach His Word. Mm-hmm. Mm. So you, you got out of prison at, how old were you when you got out? 20. 20, okay. Yeah. Uh, when did you meet your wife? Yeah, so, and I, and I would like to highlight this as well. So when I got out, before I got out, there was an, a volunteer. His name was Bob Ray. He lived in Mansfield, Ohio. And he came every Friday um, to teach a Bible study through Bill Glass Prison Ministry. And he watched my whole transformation during that time. And I, when I was getting ready to get out, he asked me, where are you going when you get out? And I said, well, I'm going back to Cleveland. He said, what do you think about coming and live with me? just to get out of Cleveland. And so, yeah, I I took him up on this offer. And so I got out of prison on uh, Thanksgiving Day of 2013. Mm -hmm. It took some time for me to get my parole transferred, but then I moved with Bob in February of 2014. Now, this is a little off topic, but how does your mom process that? So you get out, right? (laughs) She's looking forward to you getting out, being home, and then you're like, hey, I'm going (laughs) to... I'm going to go live with this guy I met uh, at his house in Mansfield. Like, how did she well, respond to that? Yeah, Bob was a was a great man. Um, no disrespect to anyone, but I don't... I haven't met anyone who loved Jesus and followed mm-hmm. Jesus the way he did. Mm-hmm. And so when my mom got to meet Bob and just to see his joy mm-hmm. and... She was uh, sold. Yeah, she was sold on it. Mm-hmm. She was sold on it. So she... Yeah, embrace the idea. So back to how I met my wife. I was going to Berean Baptist Church, was which was the church that Bob attended, mm-hmm. and uh, um, my wife was there looking for sponsors for students for a small Christian school that she mm-hmm. worked at in the Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. And so she, uh, a couple who knew me and knew her thought to introduce us to one another. Mm-hmm. And, so, and she was already a believer. She was a believer. Yeah. Okay. Yep, and I'm yep. sure that was helpful once you got connected to her. The Lord used your relationship with her. I'm sure to continue to grow you in yeah, your faith. It was very providential because I met her in May of 2015, and Bob would tragically get cancer in mm. September of that year and die 14 days after his diagnosis. Wow. And so it was. Uh, through the Lord, through Ingrid, my wife, or my wife-to-be, who would really uh, support me and and pray for me and walk with me through that dark valley of losing Bob. And uh, I left that somewhat of a wilderness. I wrestled with that, you know, the sure. why question, how did that happen? This was a man who loved Jesus, was sure. in a prison three days out of the week preaching the gospel, and here he dies of cancer. So as I'm wrestling through that theological, you know, um, wilderness, I came out of that wilderness sure of uh, a couple things. Number one, that God is sovereign and he's in control of our lives. And number two, I'm going to marry this girl (laughs) because she was a great support and just uh, the way that she prayed for me, supported me and walked with me through that. It was, you know, remarkable. I always tell people that uh, sovereignty is best seen in hindsight. Yeah. You know, you can't always see <laughs> in the moment what God is doing. But I think yeah. about your story where, you know, coming to faith uh, while incarcerated and then meeting Bob, mm-hmm. so you don't go back to the context, you, you know, become mm-hmm. instantly immersed in the context that that wasn't good for you. Mm-hmm. Then you're growing. The Lord knows Bob is going. I mean, he knows our days, right? So he knows that mm-hmm. what's coming. But before that, as you meet your wife, has mm-hmm. her becoming, what incredible mm-hmm. faithfulness he he showed you. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So from that day till today, walk us through kind of your call to ministry, 
you know, uh, just how you got involved in in occupational ministry, yeah. maybe how church planning started to bubble up in your mind, all yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as I was live when I was living with Bob, he encouraged me uh, to get into college. And so I started to study online through Liberty University. And me and Ingrid, we got married in uh, December of 2016, and I was still studying. And so when we got married, it was very... Uh, Obvious, the Lord was leading us to go to the Dominican and, and to live there. And since I was studying online, I could just study wherever. Yeah, so right. I moved to the Dominican. And uh, as I was doing my studies, I also got involved there at the Christian school. And I began to teach chapel. Uh, the Bible teacher, he got another job. And so I ended up teaching Bible at the Christian More school. More sovereignty. So there <laughs> yeah. you go. Right. Okay. And so uh, really beginning to get hands-on, uh, you know, in ministry, teaching there, got involved in the church. And it was really just, again, so I left prison sold out that I'm going to spend the rest of my life mm. serving the Lord in ministry. Uh-huh. But it just it be, it just began to be manifested or demonstrated in these different areas. So the in, Lord in case people up. are wondering, so you're in the Dominican, you're mm-hmm. teaching, you're and you're becoming fluent in Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I know some of you might be listening thinking, wait a minute, what's he? But yeah, because your wife is a Spanish speaker. Yeah. I assume her family yeah. Spanish yeah. speaking. So you you were having to learn on the fly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I taught a year and a half with a translator, then a year and a half by the grace okay. of God alone. Very cool. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Very yep. cool. Yep. So what brought you guys back to uh the US and and then you know, I know that at one point you were on staff at Berean Baptist as well. So yeah, kind of walk us through yeah, how you Yeah. Ended so there. my wife was actually the principal there at the Christian school for elementary. And so we were both working there and we started to have children, our first two children. And I just remember one day my wife coming home um, from just our, you know, our tight schedule. And she looked me in my eyes and told me that she was tired and she wanted to be at home with our children. Mm. And so I shouldered that, right, you know, um, as the man and the leader. And I began to pray. I was finishing up college. And uh, as I finished, the Lord opened the door for me to get back in touch with Berean Baptist Church, where I was a member. Yeah. And uh, the new lead pastor, um, he he brought me back and allowed me to serve in a year pastoral residency. Okay. And then after that year, I was you know installed as an official pastor there at Berean. And what were kind of your duties at, at the church and, and in that associate role? Yeah, so I oversee adult ministry and discipleship. Okay. And so um, that was... Teaching other men to love the word the way you had fallen in love with it, huh? Amen. Yeah. Amen. And uh, it was a great experience. I really sat at the feet of of Pastor Dan as he followed Jesus and learned a lot from him. And uh, it really prepared me for this this new season of church planning. I could say that church planning has always been a burden since I got out of prison because I look back into the urban context and... If I'm just honest, I looked at with almost a sense of disgust at some of the churches that were there in the urban context. It's a lot of churches that are um, preaching kind of prosperity doctrine and, and different things like that. And so a, a burden kind of birthed in my heart of, you know, the urban context needs biblical churches. And uh, I could say now that that desire has developed more, and I realized that church planning is one of the greatest ways to fulfill the Great Commission mm-hmm. and to make disciples. And I look at myself as a disciple maker mm-hmm. and church planning as a, the key vehicle uh, mm-hmm. for, for that ha- to happen. Yeah, amen to that. Yeah. I, I, the, everyone listening to this knows I've preached on that many times <laughs> at CCC. So you, uh, church planning is a burden. You, know, you have a hard for urban context. Mm-hmm. How did you come across... 
Orchard. Just talk <laughs> us through that process of finding out about Orchard and and starting to dream, hey, maybe this is what God's going to use. Yeah, it's another providential act of God, you know. Uh, one of the coaches at, at Orchard had sent out emails to a number of churches, and from my understanding, uh, Pastor Dan at Berean Baptist was one of the few that got back to them and said, mm-hmm. yeah, we know a guy who would be willing to to church plant. And so through that email and uh, beginning to kind of relate to uh, the guys at Orchard, uh, it began to be abundantly obvious that God was leading us through uh, uh, to to plant with Orchard. Yeah. And uh, I took a, a church planning assessment in Orlando, Florida with uh, our denomination from Berean and kind of got the green light. They looked into me and my wife's uh, life and, and some of our competencies and said, we believe you are you can do this. Mm-hmm. And so that was encouraging. And then through the assessment here at uh, uh, Orchard as well, just kind of green lights for us to go forward with this. Yeah, there's a lot of power in, uh, for people who don't know, maybe uh, we bring candidates in for uh, what really amounts about a two-day assessment uh, mm-hmm. process. It's pretty rigorous. I mean, you're oh, yeah. meeting lots of people <laughs> being asked a lot of questions, but uh, part of that's good stewardship. We know we're going to invest a lot in church planners and we want to, but I think some of it too is the power of community. Mm-hmm. Church planning is really hard and, you know, uh, there are days coming when you're going to wonder, Am I cut out for this? Mm-hmm. And of course, we lean fundamentally on God's faithfulness to, to his mission. But we also lean on the community of brothers and sisters around us who said, yes, you are up for up mm-hmm. to this, right? Because there going to be days mm-hmm. you doubt yourself. Yeah. And it's good in that moment to say, hey, I didn't just independently decide. There were groups of people who came around me and said, hey, we agree. The Lord's call is on your life. So, okay, so you're thinking about church planning. You're going to do Orchard. Tell us what neighborhood you've picked and kind of why you've picked it. Yeah, so we have chosen Euclid, Ohio, which is a suburb of Cleveland. And uh, Euclid is is special to my heart because I grew up in East Cleveland, and a lot of uh, the people from my old community have kind of migrated to Euclid to kind of get out of East Cleveland. Mm -hmm. So in many ways, it's almost like going home Mm -hmm. uh, to Euclid. And my mom lives there. And so there's a lot. So mom wins in the end. (laughs) She wins in the end. The grandkids are home. Her son's home. Good for her. And uh, most importantly, even as I drive through the streets of Euclid, um, the Lord is just breaking my heart, uh, revealing to me that this is a community that needs a gospel movement today. Amen. And uh, and I say, yes, Lord, I'll go, send, send us. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you're very early on in the church planning process. I mean, like Jimmy said, you haven't technically started with us mm-hmm. uh, yet. Mm-hmm. So I won't, we won't hold you to any of this, but just as you kind of uh, lay in bed at night and you're dreaming mm-hmm. about what you want to see happen, what you want uh, God to do in Euclid, just tell us uh, what is on your heart for the kind of church. I mean, of course, we know... A, Founded on God's word, right? Yeah. Preach the word, sing the word, pray the word. Yeah. Let's assume all that. Yeah. But what is the unique thing that you mm. think God uh, wants to do in Euclid or that you're praying that he will want to do? That's a great question. Euclid? And this is open-handedly. Yeah, this sure. is what I'm I'm thinking through and praying through. As I look at uh, the community, uh, one of the key elements of brokenness I see is broken families mm. and a devalue of family and marriage. And I know with all my heart that the gospel can transform that. And so I'm dreaming of a gospel-centered community who honors family and uses that as the key vehicle for making disciples. 
and I'm believing that the Lord will do it. Um, and again, that's an open-handed vision. He can, he can shape sure. that and, yeah. and alter that as he wills. But I just want to see this institution of family redeemed um, in this community through the gospel. Yeah, I always tell planners that, you know, of course, we all want, we all want to dream humbly mm-hmm. because it's the Lord's church. Mm-hmm. And yet at the same time, um, as long as we're dreaming within the concepts that the Lord has taught us, yeah. you know, we know the family was his yeah. idea, right? Yeah. His creation. It's something he's he's for. We know his desire is for mm-hmm. uh, neighborhoods to be full of, of loving, wonderful, encouraging, mm-hmm. nurturing families. And as I think through that, it's challenging. You know, am I the type of husband where mm. I could talk to other husbands and say, imitate me as yeah, I follow right. Jesus? Or yeah. am I the type of father, right, where I can tell yeah. other fathers, imitate me as I imitate Jesus? And so it's a challenge, yeah. but it's, it's a worthy uh, one. And it's one that uh, I know that me and my wife are willing to step into to see God God redeem families yeah. for his glory. Yeah, that's awesome. You mm-hmm. know, uh, planters are, I tell people all the time, church planters are, they're my people, that's my tribe, they're, <laughs> they're my my heroes. It is not easy to move your family mm-hmm. and hope that a church works out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's true both of the planter and the planter's wife. Mm-hmm. So just talk us through, uh, how is your wife processing <laughs> this church planning journey, this... Uh, you know, this new challenge, kind, yeah. of, kind of how she thinking about it. Yeah. And my wife is a woman of faith. But when I first uh, talked to her about this opportunity, uh, she wasn't on board. Yeah, It, it was a process. Um, and I think I can clarify that by saying when I told her, hey, we may be moving to, to Euclid or, you know, a suburb in North or urban area in Northeast Ohio uh, to plant a church, what she heard was, that means, you know, we're taking our family. Yep. What about my children? Yep. Are we going to a place where they're, you know, carjacking and, yep. and different things? And so, uh, but the Lord immediately began to work in her heart and she began to wrestle with this idea of, you know, it, God is calling my husband. He's calling me as well. And what's my part in in this mission? And she has begun to embrace that. She's excited about it now. Um, and she's fully on board. Um, but she still has concerns that we sure, talk about at night. Sure. You know, what does schooling look like for mm-hmm. our four-year-old who will start this fall and, yeah. and different things like that. So it's real. Yeah. It's real, but um, it's, it's in a, a journey of faith that we're going to walk together on. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. Well, so I told you this before we started recording, but, uh, you know, a lot, hundreds of people listen to this podcast uh, every time an episode drops. Uh, most of them are connected to our church, mm-hmm. regular attenders, if not members of our church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, obviously one of the things we're hoping is that they get to know you. And I mm-hmm. think you, that's true. They've, they've heard your heart. Um, how would you begin to encourage them to, to pray about, think about yeah. supporting you guys, mm-hmm. encouraging you, being part of what you're doing? Maybe just speak a few minutes into that. Yeah, the first thing I want to do is I just want to acknowledge the unique work of God at Christ Community Chapel. Um, we haven't had a ton of exposure to the church, but the exposure we have had, my wife and myself, we're just amazed at what the Lord has done in this church and the vision that this church has to plant churches, um, 60 churches in the next 30 years. It's amazing. And we are honored to be brought into and participate in this vision. And I would just encourage uh, the people to pray um, because this, we are the church and we are seeking for uh 
our family to be multiplied in local communities and each member at Christ Community Chapel has a part to play. And so that may be joining the abstinence and planning in Euclid. That may be just praying and coveting with us in, in prayer as we go forward. And uh, there's many ways to get involved, but pray. Amen. Pray that the Lord will uh, lead in that. Amen. Pray, and you can start looking at Zillow for houses in Euclid. <laughs> Amen. You want to go uh, with Amen. the plan. We have a great yeah. realtor. Yeah. <laughs> no, one, one of the things I always say about uh, church planning and the Great Commission is that it is my firm conviction that the Lord is more passionate about church planning than we are. Mm. He's more passionate about Euclid than we are. He's more... Uh, but one of the things that's that's really cool, you know, we're in a series right now uh, when this podcast drops on the life of Moses and how... Moses points us to Jesus, and I was just studying today about some of the early events in the life of Moses that 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 at the time no one would have paid any attention to, but the Lord was preparing him to become the kind of man. And you realize, generation a generation before God would actually rescue Israel, He was preparing Moses to do a particular thing. And then I just think about uh, young Lintrail running around the streets, being crazy, and God looking at you and saying, "I know I'm going to save this guy." Right, I'm going to grow him. I'm going to sanctify him. I'm going to turn him into a husband and a father and a pastor, and then I'm going to send him back home hmm. to preach freedom to his his brethren, right? Yeah. Just like Moses did. And yeah. uh, just you know, we're incredibly excited about what God is doing here at CCC. But one of the things that that encourages us the most is when the Lord introduces us to someone like you, who He's already been working on, already been working through, and realizing. The plan to plant in Euclid did not begin with us. Mm-hmm. It's something God has been working on for a long time. Well, welcome. Welcome to Orchard. Welcome to CCC. We can't wait to see what God does. Thank you. You've been listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we're going to look at topics and questions that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. We want your feedback. We want your suggestions. If you've got ideas or questions that you'd like to hear answered on the show, You can email us at churchunplugged at ccchapel.com. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.